it seems like to me, you know, I'm young, 35, so I'm still young. Uh, it seems like to me uh, that um, the, this current series, Currents, Energies that, that Shape Our Realities, has come right at the perfect time. And it's probably because we have pastors that really care about us and really care about the world that we're living in and want to help us and facilitate uh, us being faithful to Jesus in the midst of whatever uh, is going on. And so today's conversation uh, is about faith and politics and the interactions and the intersections between those things. So I want to invite up, if you are on the panel, go ahead and come up. I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself uh, and, and give us your credentials for why you're up here. And we are waiting on uh, Gary, uh, but he is probably um, talking down the hall. So y'all give it up for our panelists. Uh, yeah, come on, come on. And we'll just begin with introductions, all right? So let's just start down here at the end uh, and introduce yourself, your name, where you're from, and maybe why you're on this panel, all right? Okay. I'm Lisa Alexander. I work here at the church, and so I'm very involved in faith community, but I'm also a political science major. I worked on political campaigns and worked for um, a chairman of the political campaign all through college. I have wrote many letters to the editor um, ever since I was 12 years old <laughs> and have been pretty fiery on issues and has since mellowed a little bit, but that is why I'm on this panel. It's <laughs> good. Thanks, Lisa. So I'm Amy Wilson Phelps. I'm the associate pastor here at Aldersgate. So if anybody calls the church and has a political question, we just give it to Lisa and she handles all of that. But I am on this panel because um, as one of the pastors, it's really important for us to talk about not just what goes on in the church, but in the world. And so especially where those intersections um, involve our faith, it's really important uh, that we engage. And so Tim invited Gary, who will be here soon, and myself to be kind of that, that voice for our local community. Thanks, Amy. I am um, Christina Campos-Davis, and I, um, let's see, gosh, I have worked in politics since I was in college also. Um, worked for Charlie Stenholm way back in the day. Some of you people, older people here will know who Charlie Stenholm was. I worked for Charlie. Uh, that was my first experience in politics. Um, and then I was um, a, a journalist and worked on kind of a city and, and politics beat and then um, went and got a PhD and taught for a while. And my PhD is in political communication. So my joke is I have a PhD in BS. Um, so I'm not going to, yeah, yeah. We'll hold on mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. Um, and now I am the Director of Communications for Hardin-Simmons University. That's so. great. Thank you all so much. Let's give it up one more time for our panel. So the first, the first question that I want to ask, and it's just going to be kind of a, you know, take it if you want to answer it first, and then we'll just kind of volley back and forth, is this. Whenever you think about um, what it means to be a Christian in this context, in this society, what is, I guess, in your mind, what... What is the role of the church in the greater political conversation that's happening right now? I can't go first. <laughs> um, that's a hard question to answer. I think because... You're not going to get easier. I, I know. That's know. okay. Right, that's okay. I can handle it. Um, I, think we, I think we're good. We can handle it. Um, no, I think because on the one hand... 
you know, the, the church, and, and I, I believe, especially in America, the church and, and government should be separated in a lot of ways. There, there are a lot of ways in which we want to keep, you know, the church out of government. But by the same token, and I'd say government out of church as well, and by the same token, however, it also influences our, our morality, right? And so as individual people, we, we oftentimes use our faith, and I think rightly so, to be our guide as far as um, how we feel about certain political issues. So whereas we do want to keep those things kind of separate, we also bring them together in the way that, that we as Christians, I think, are called. If you look at, you know, the New Testament and the things that we are asked to stand up for. Um, so, so in a way, we are also including our faith in our politics when it comes to our individual faith and our individual ideas about things. You spoke to this a little bit in your sermon, and those of you who haven't heard it, I encourage you to stick around at 11 o'clock, but in John 17, Jesus prays for all followers of Jesus, for his disciples. He prays for unity, and he also prays and says that, that we would be in the world, but not of it. And, and you can interpret that in many different ways, but the way that I understand that is being in the world is more than just like letting the world swirl around us. It's being engaged in the world and standing with, with the people that Jesus would stand with in the margins, the oppressed, giving sight to the blind. He, he said that that was why he was here when he unrolled that scroll in Luke 4. And so an example in our community would be our work with Bowie elementary school, we certainly respect the separation of church and state uh, and the schools, and we respect the way that the administrators are are reading that line, and we, we certainly honor that, but we are also in the school all the time. We are the people that they call when they need something. We are the people who are mentoring their children. We we are people they can trust, and they know that, and I really think that one of the reasons is we, we respect that line, uh, but we still serve out of our love for Jesus. And, and I just have a quick thing to add to, um, I think as a church, we're all diverse. We all have different, um, we, we don't all fit into a box. We don't all believe the same things. And I think if we speak about that with each other, and we speak about that in, in a more public setting, maybe, if you feel called to do that, then I think that actually helps. It helps the call of the church when people go, oh, you know, I thought only, church people only thought this. And when you say it out loud, a lot of times they see diversity because we are. We don't all think the same. We don't all have the same experiences and backgrounds. And I really think that that's important for um, church people not to be afraid to say um, where you kind of stand on some issues, you know, because I think, I think it helps in a lot of ways, the, the, the call of the church. So we're going to allow our fourth panelist to introduce himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, late to the party, but always the life of the party. All right, and then I didn't and then, know I was a professional. Yeah, though. and then and then we're going to ha ask Gary that same question. What was the uh, question? And then I'm going to follow up. Here, here it goes. And then I want to follow up on something that Lisa said uh, here in just a second. So Gary, introduce yourself. And the question that we asked that we began with is, what is the role of the church in the greater political conversation that's going on in our country right now? Sure. Uh, my name is Gary Bowles. So, uh, you know, that's like you said, it's it's a fine line because there's always this this mantra of you should never talk about it. I mean, we we were told that in seminary. I don't know about Amy, but I remember in, in preaching classes, never talk about what people think politically. But the reality is we all in some form or another, we think would engage some most of us right most of us would think, not so much you know i, I i'm gonna think politically and so that's one of the reasons we began to talk about how can we as people of god who look at things radically different sometimes or or just different 
How can we coexist and how can we serve this risen Savior that lives and reigns within us? And, and so that's, that's not only the task of us as a church, but that's the task of us as a staff. We, yeah, that's right. We've wrestled with these kind of things many times. Absolutely. You know? But, it, but it's, as Tim said in the first service, it's driven by love. Yeah. You know, because I, I can tell you, Tim and I are not going to always agree on most things. Well, no, that's We not agree right. that the Astros are the that's best right. baseball that's team right. ever, all right? <laughs> if we ever get, if things ever get tense in the office, I'm just like, Stroh's, bro, all right? And we're, we're good. We're we realigned. to one side. Stroh's over here. Rangers, no, I shouldn't say that. See, everybody went and got political because they don't I like know, that. I know, man. So I, wanna, I want us to kind of piggyback off or jump off of something that you said, Lisa, and, and really everybody kind of alluded to. It seems like the political discourse in our day and age is pretty vitriolic. No matter where you're coming from, what no. you're... Yeah, 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 no, believe it or not, uh, it, it is. And so my question is, how do we, and maybe we, maybe we don't, I don't know, how, how do I, as somebody with certain convictions, as a Christian, um, engage in political discourse in a way that's helpful and beneficial to everybody involved? I, I can speak on this a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I think we need to kind of like stay in our lane. Like f for me, I, I can get fiery. I can get really like mad and injustice and I can be really mad. I can like Lisa leaves the body. Someone else is replaced. And like two hours later, Tyson can I get an amen like, back there? Tyson's just standing over me going, really? You had to go there? <laughs> and those what I have found when I have invited the Holy Spirit to come into my politics, <laughs> I realize those are the things I probably need to stay away from. Those are the issues that I am not going to help anyone. I'm not, there is nothing there for me or anyone else. And so I have found when I allow the Holy Spirit, I really start thinking about issues. Um, the issues that I am fiery about, but I have precision I have, I know what I want and I'm calm are the things that I know God is pushing me towards. Now, I don't think that you, that doesn't mean you can't get fiery, but I just, I feel like if we would stay in our lane, because it becomes just clatter. If we care about everything, it, no one listens after a while. Like everyone's like, oh gosh, she's on a rant again. But if you stay in your in your lane and you encourage people. I have people that are fiery that I don't even agree with sometimes, but I encourage them because we need to hear that voice. We need to encourage them. So I can be an encourager to that, but I should stay away from that, if that makes sense. So in other words, bit. you pick your battles. Yes, okay. yeah. I Any feel like as Christians, if we can be a little kinder <laughs> and, and allow the Holy Spirit to kind of guide where we put our effort, I think it will make more of a difference than if we spread it out everywhere. The author Shane Claiborne one time said, you can have all the right answers and still be mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can have all the right answers and still be mean. Yeah. Christina. No, I was going to say, I mean, I think it really, it, it has to come out of a place where everything starts, and it sounds like this is your sermon, um, with love. You know, with the idea that I may disagree with you, but you are a, ch a child of God and I am a child of God and we both serve the same kingdom, and so we start there. And if you can start there, I think that makes a big difference. Um, you know, I, I have struggled in this community, and I say Abilene, this community, not 
um, the church necessarily because I tend to have very different views than most of the people in, in this community. Um, and as somebody who is one of the leaders of one of the political parties in this community, tend to be a target for, for some people. And um, have really had to learn in those battles, you know, whether it's on the radio show or whether it's in public or whether it's private, you know, to just kind of stop and say, okay, we're gonna start with, you are a child of God, I am a child of God, <laughs> we may disagree, and then move in from there. And I've, you know, I've had, I'm sure you'll probably have to do this too, I've had to do this more in the last year than I think I have ever before. Yeah. Go for it, Amy. And I, I think we have much more in common as followers of Jesus than we have in difference, and we, we shoot to those differences so quickly, and we just kind of camp out there. But St. Francis, one of the prayers is first to um, seek to understand before being understood, right? And so one of the ways that I try to engage people, if they disagree with me and they're kind of coming out for me for whatever reason is to ask questions instead of deliver answers. I just invite people um, to kind of sit in some uncertainty and to reflect on the way that God might be moving in ways that we don't know because it's really easy, especially in times like this where, where there's a lot of tension and a, a lot of violence even to go towards certainty. I want to be certain about this. I want to, I want to stake my claim and my ground on this, but really we're invited to give some space for the Holy Spirit to work. And so asking questions is a really good way to do that. And, and especially if I've said something, certainly unintentionally, that really upsets someone, I had to get to this place, and I heard, I heard this on a podcast recently, I had to get to this place where that person's allowed to think that. You know, like, I, I gotta give that person that space, and even if it's hateful toward me, that's unkind, and I don't think Jesus smiles at that, but I'm not gonna repay that, I'm not going to respond in that way, I'm gonna give that person space and continue to do the work that I think God has called me to. That's helpful. Gary, do you have anything to add to that? No, I'm, I, you're, I think you're already in the right place. You know, one of the things that came to mind, and, and I don't know if it fits here because sometimes what I say doesn't fit, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's a good segue. Gary's our segue right. guy, all right? So he's going to like help us get from topic uh, to topic. You know, and it was on a podcast that I heard lately was on this, oftentimes our political view or what, or what we think is not the same on every topic. Because sometimes people will say, well, he's a conservative. Well, he, that person may be when it comes to fiscal money or, or fiscal responsibility. But then on another issue, you may be completely on the other side. And I think a lot of us find ourselves, you know, in that place. Amy and I have had this discussion many times because growing up in, in the inner city and growing up in a Hispanic culture uh, and then seeing my mother discriminated against, you know, I'm very far left of center when it comes to women's rights because I've, I've lived that, you know. But on the other side, and I know y'all are gonna, I'm just gonna tell you who I am. It's good. Got, and Tim will tell you, I got a couple of guns. You know? <laughs> I even carried them into over. his house whenever he moved in, all right? He was like, here, you carry the guns. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I'm just kidding. Great, it's a goose gun. He even wanted to stay around and let me teach him, but he ran <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> but yeah, so this idea that even though we, we may, you know, we have different views, you know, because it's real easy to say they're a conservative, so they only think this way, right. or they're, on this side, I only think this way, and I don't think that's true at all. Yeah, and I think Amy really hit the nail on the head. You know, I mean, we, we don't like cognitive dissonance, right? We don't like it when what we're thinking doesn't make any sense. We want simplicity. And that's part of the reason why we have so many labels. And it's like, oh, you're a liberal. Oh, you're a conservative. Oh, you're a progressive. It's because that just makes us be able to put that label on somebody and then shove them aside. 
but yeah. every single one of us have very different views on very different things. I think we talked a little bit about this last week in the sermon on aging and multi-generational settings, is that we have one piece of information about something, maybe one, one person said one thing about something, and so we just assume we know everything about that person and everything that that person thinks, so we don't have to do the hard work of getting to know that person, and I think that is a calling of a Christian, is to really form relationships across lines. So I thought that this was a relatively new phenomenon, the, the idealizing of another human being um, that came with social media and things like that. But as I've, as I've studied some history, I've been reading a whole lot of stuff about kind of the American political uh, imagination um, and specifically what the, you know, how the church is kind of like either delved into it or stayed away from it. Why do we idealize people? Like what are some things that contribute to me do you understand what I mean whenever I say idealizing somebody, that somebody becomes two-dimensional, all right? So, so Sandy is only a mom. I don't see her as anything else, but really there's all these other dimensions. Why do we tend to do that to other people, especially people that we disagree with? You know, I, some of it, I mean, me personally, I think Amy, some of it. We need another seat. Okay, it's easy. Yeah, y'all can feel free to jump in, all right? Because it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's about simplicity. You know, it's about making it easier for us to be able to see people and fit them into a box, into a category that we understand. Because if we get into the, the multidimensional nature of humanity, then we will never understand, and then we become frustrated. So we, we like simplicity, we like boxes, we like, oh, you're a liberal, you're a conservative, you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, and that's it. Um, but I don't think that as Christians, that's what we're called to at all. Lisa? I think we, and I, I feel like this might have trended a little bit with, um, I saw it, I saw it with Bill Clinton. We, we don't like to look at the bad parts of our own party sometimes. And we don't like to call out things and we don't like other people to call out things that are different than us or that we have to argue with. And I think that only gets worse with social media. And so I think it's easy to go, oh, they believe this one thing. They said this one thing so I don't agree with it, and we don't know how to process that very well. We don't know, I don't, I don't think we do a good job at going, thinking, okay, this is just one issue, but I agree several issues, and so we can just, we can unfollow, or we can not listen to them anymore, and we create these little um, eco chambers of communication where we're only hearing what we agree with. And I think that can be very dangerous, and I think that just perpetuates us not having to talk to anyone that's different than us. So in socio sociology, there's a, there's, a, there's a theory called contact theory. And this idea is that if I can be in the same room with or at least have contact with somebody that's different than me, then I can begin to understand them as a human being rather than the idea that I've ascribed to them. Jason King, who uh, is a professor over at um, Hardin-Simmons, we call him Dr. King lovingly in our, in our growth group, uh, and he talks about political discourse ha having become what he calls the scorched earth method, that there's somebody over here yelling on this side of the TV and somebody over here yelling on this side of what? the TV, and there's nothing but scorched earth in between, and so Pope Francis kind of picking up on this, um, has invited the church, and not just the Catholic church, but the church communi community as a whole, to be, he says that we, the church is a field hospital uh, on, on the field of war, and we should be in the middle, in that scorched earth, providing care and love and healing for people that come from whatever camp. So I'm going to get, I want to get political and personal here for a second, and then we're going to open it up to um, some questions. Thank you all so much for being invested in this conversation. I think it's important for us. 
think about your own political persuasion, kind of how you would define yourself. And like Gary said, maybe, uh, you know, you're all over the board just on different things, but think about how you would define yourself. Why do you, why are you in this camp? So if you're, if you're conservative or if you're liberal or if you're somewhere in between, maybe a libertarian or whatever, and, and I want you to identify where you are, if that's okay, uh, and, then, and then give us some rationale for like maybe why, how you ended up here. Because everybody on this stage loves Jesus. That's the only reason we invited him to be here. Seriously. First and foremost, that's okay. If you don't know, just say, I don't know, right? Um, I know. <laughs> if, if, but, but, you know, identify why you're here. And everybody on the stage loves Jesus deeply. You, you've dedicated your life to following in the way of Jesus. And yet we have very different ideas politically. And I'll do, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll jump on board, but I'm the moderator. So I kind of get a, I get a, I get a, I get a pass, right? We you all know, know you, Tim. This, <laughs> I know, right? I've seen your Tim Facebook, Palmer. all right? <laughs> you've said enough that we can identify everything you think. <laughs> Come on. All right, here. So, yeah, identify yourself, and, and why, are, why are you in this camp if you're in a camp at all? Probably the blue and orange party, because I grew up in Houston, and we love the Astros. <laughs> it's always in the Starting our own political party. Cop out. <laughs> no, I would, I, would, I would align myself with more conservatism. That's just me. Uh, probably where that changed in my life was when I started paying taxes. And, okay. and, the, and the fact that there was this place out there taking money out of my pocket that I had just made. And then all of a sudden, here goes. And so, anyway, so that's, for me, that's political. That's where I would say. Cool. Thanks. So I'm a Democrat. <laughs> um, and I think I would lean more liberal on a lot of issues. Um, I think a lot of that comes out of the fact that as a person of color and as a woman, I have experienced a lot of things, um, both in Abilene and also in Dallas, where I grew up, um, and saw my parents in the 60s, I mean, in the 70s and 80s deal with a lot of things um, here in Texas that made me really cognizant of um, the marginalized and those who are underserved. Um, one of the things I didn't mention starting out is uh, as of midnight this morning, um, I, no, I was no longer, or I was, I was president of the, uh, the Junior League, um, and my presidency ended at midnight this morning. Anyway, um, so, it was, so I was literally counting. To, we should have been referring to Christina as El, El Madam President. Right? No. Madam President. Senior, All right. You're in the Senior League now? Yeah, yeah, I'm the Senior League now, yeah. Anyway, but, um, and, and I've been in Junior League for nine years, and, and one of the things that Junior League does is a lot of community service, and it has, I mean, I, I, I study sociology, my, my PhD is in communication, my minor was in sociology, so I can teach both. It has amazed me, the poverty in Abilene and the need in Abilene. I mean, I knew it was there, but to actually be in those communities and to be with CPS and know how many kids desperately need a foster home or know how many, you know, um, kids are living in households with four people on salaries under 18,000, you know, and things like that just really shocked me. And so that has given me, I think, even more of a heart for the marginalized and those who don't have a voice. And so I'm a big believer in um, I have a voice, and so I'm going to use that voice for those people. Thanks. Okay, so when I graduated from seminary in 2008, I came back to this conference. I grew up in this conference. And in the Methodist world, you serve in a conference, and they sponsored by candidacy here, and I felt called to come back here. This is my home. And then I sat in front of the DS, who was talking about my next appointment, and he said, so would you consider yourself to be conservative or liberal? <laughs> and there was actually... Like there was a diagram and I was supposed to circle where I was on the line and I, and I thought, 
We well, I think you should flip the page and draw your own picture. I said, well, well, right? I, flip the page. And draw I said, your own I don't really identify as I. Right in an airplane. Like, I, I resist the labels. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm technically in Generation X, right? But I have enough of the millennial influence that I'm like, don't put me in a box, you know? But I went to seminary in the Northeast, right? So that obviously makes me suspect. <laughs> I'm a woman. I'm a woman in a place where there are still not many women serving in churches in Northwest Texas. There are still many churches in Northwest Texas that will not take a woman. Okay, so I mean, literally, they will not. We're not ready for that. I'm glad you guys are, but there are many people who aren't. So I, I open this conversation to say, if you're going to make me choose, I'll say, yeah, sure. I'll lean to the left. But I'm in Abilene, right? In another setting, I might lean to the right. I, I really find myself feeling that the moderation is where we need to live. We need to be in the middle so we can have conversations and, and really talk about the issues as they come instead of saying, I stand here or there. But man, people want to put you in a box, you know, even in the church. Thanks, Amy. Lisa, um, where I, are you and why are you there? I have leaned towards, I worked for the Republican chairman all through college. I was part of the young Republican, whatever that was. And um, I would lean towards that. As I've gotten older and things get more complicated and loving, loving your neighbor as yourself plays a role and the neighbors that we experienced would be um, African Americans, people with disabilities, you know, their kids with disabilities, um, just a bunch of different issues. And to love them well, I feel like I had to invite them in and care about their issues and ask their stories. And I didn't always agree, but I at least need to, I need to advocate for some of that. And so I get mad in the primaries when they make me choose one ticket. I'm like, I want people on the Democrat side and the Republican side. I don't get y'all. And so I'm like, I want both tickets. And so I get, I get my fiery. I, Lisa goes away, and then Tyson's like, oh, good Lord. Here she comes. <laughs> Here she comes. And the winter um, is. <laughs> so I, I have since, I, I, I'm not, a, I don't, I, I just, I feel it's silliness. I really do. I feel like all of that is just nonsense, and that people, and especially when I worked on a campaign, I realized they just draw circles and they say, okay, in order for me to get women who believe this way, I need to say this thing. And then that gives me this many votes. And then this one. And you see the it's a little insider knowledge. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's an it's a underbelly current where you're like, it's all nonsense. They're just playing us, basically. And so I just, I really just make my own conclusions based on what they have voted for. I really research what my candidates are voting for, which I think is very important, um, and not what they say. I don't care what you say. I want your actions. So, so one of the things, that the, the presupposition that we're working under the assumption is that Christians are involved in the political system as it exists right now. I come from a tradition and really a background that that's not always the case. There's a lot of people that, that just say, you know what, the system's broken, it's human, and so I'm going to do good no matter where I am. I'm going to welcome the stranger, even if it's against the law. I'm going to provide for the hungry, you know, those kinds of things, because I feel like that's what love necessitates. But in, we could go, we could have this conversation for days and days and days and days and days. And so what I want to do is open up for about six or seven minutes um, and just have uh, a dialogue. Do you have a, a comment or a question for the panel um, that might kind of 
that we need to listen to. All right. So yeah, Sam. Yeah, thank you, Amy. If you don't mind passing around the wireless mic. Thank you, Amy, and I appreciate um, y'all having this discussion. I have a brother who um, is very, very opposite of me in terms of political outlook and things like that. In fact, he even looks like Tim. And, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Listen, Sam, from anyone else, I would Amy. be offended. From you, <laughs> no, no. It's, like, it's like a, yeah, I get, I yeah. get you. I'm well, the thing is, now. we got to be able to laugh. But anyway, he, it, when he gets into discussions in the family, you know, <laughs> everything blows up, right? And so he approached me one time and he says, why can't we have a political discussion? Would you have a political discussion with me. And I said, sure, I'll be glad to with one, um, one agreement. Right. We don't mention people's names. We don't mention the names of politicians. Because my position on this has been, if you go through this room, the people's values are very, very similar. There are some things that will differ on, but we 95% probably align with each other. And it's not the issues that polarize, it's the people that polarize. That's fascinating. Good point. Good point. So maybe that's a practical guide. If you're going to have a, a tense conversation, sideline the specific yeah, people that represent that we've made the idea for that idea, you know, uh, and then move into the issues. That's great. Thanks, Sam. Anybody else? Y'all did not just come to listen. Come on. You get, come Marcia, on Marcia, go for it. <laughs> Nobody knows what side of the fence I'm on. And I've done that for years and years and years because I don't, I have, I'm from a flight attendant family and you just, if you're going to argue about politics, I don't enjoy that. What I like, and I put this on Facebook during the last election, is I'll listen to the facts. I don't want name calling. I don't want anger and, and things to come out that are just on their personalities. I want facts, and, and I think you need to lean on that way. Um, nobody here in the church knows what side I'm on. None of my friends know what side I'm on. But I want, I want you to tell me how you believe, but not with the emotion. I want, I want the facts. And I think if we can leave the emotion and the name-calling and the hatred out of things, and like Tim said this morning in the church, it's the love, and it's how we love our neighbors. Right. Leave the anger and the hatred out for the individuals. Thanks, Marcia. Really appreciate your perspective. One of the I things. Think, I think she's on God's side. Go ahead. Side. I was gonna say. I think what's difficult about that, because I'm like, I, I agree with you, is that that facts are no longer objective anymore. You know. That's and the so, question that I was gonna ask. Yeah. How do so, we how do we determine what's factual? Daniel and I have this conversation a lot in our office. He's always um, right. And though. so maybe what, as a director of communication, as somebody that. Um, cares very much, and, and Greg, you're a journalist, and so maybe your your context would be really helpful for us. Um, how do we determine what voices to listen to and what the facts really are? Is there a way for us to do that? And Greg, if you want to jump in, feel free to do that. Tim, we've got a few over here. Yeah, and I, I, and I don't want to speak for Greg, but um, I mean, I, I do believe that, that there is there are objective truths. There are facts. Um, it's just a matter of getting past a lot of the bias to find them. Now, we are humans. We can't help our bias. We, we are, that's just who we are. Um, but I think it, it just takes a lot of research and it takes a lot of, of time and it takes a lot of, of getting into the, into the information. And, and the problem is that's too difficult. People much rather hear a soundbite and then again, right, that simplicity, go back to, well, okay, you know, that's what I believe and be done. And that's sad. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off because we have some people out here. Thank you for that. Yes, but yes, but wanted to make a comment. I'm, I'm not. I don't have any answers. I'm just throwing something out that that's being discussed among some of the fellow members of the Methodist Church. I've been asked by some members, what would you do, Spud, if we did like some of the religions are doing that have gay pastors or marrying same-sex men or women? I'm just saying that's, that's being discussed. Mm -hmm. What would the Methodist, what's, what's going to happen? So now that's that's not I'm, I don't have any solution. Right. I'm just saying what's being discussed out in the public. Uh, Let me ask a question because this would be this would be really helpful for us to know because I don't think that we need to go into right. church polity. But this is something big. If there was a forum in which we had conversations about the direction of the United Methodist Church, is that something that y'all would be interested in attending and having conversation about? And just simply, you know, just like a little raise of the hand and put it down or whatever so that, so that we on staff can kind of get a sense. If that's a conversation that we need to have, maybe more explicitly, that might be a helpful thing. No promises, just, uh, just saying. Is that something that y'all would be, that would be helpful for y'all? Okay, cool. Okay. So Gary and Amy, y'all see this? Lisa, yeah, we see, see it. this? Okay, all right. Who else? Okay, there's some over here. And Judy, too? You, too? So you we have, I think we have time for, for two more, okay. if that's okay. I think we've got two over here. I think one of the hardest things, and I think that's why it's so volatile right now, is social media. Because... Everybody writes everything that they want to say, and some of it is so hateful, and um, it stirs up so much emotion in people that it brings on this mob kind of uh, mentality. I, I, I can't believe it, and, and I think if we did not have social media as we do, um, then we would have a, a very different situation right now. One thing that I think is helpful, what Amy already said, if Thank I you, seek Jana. to understand before seeking to be understood, sometimes I go through that. I'll type something out, and oh man, it's good, and I'm gonna let I'm gonna let them have it, and then I stop, then he hears this and voice. I read it. <laughs> yeah, I read Damn. it, and I'm like, that was not motivated by love, and it definitely was not, and it definitely was not motivated by a desire to understand somebody else's perspective. This was me just like, so I like, I feel good with the release. I've you know erase it, and then can go into something a little more helpful. Judy, Last word from you, and then we're the panel. Two seconds each to have kind of a final word. Go for it, Judy. Okay, mine's really simple. Truth. It's truth. I look and I search for truth, and I don't know where to go. Mm. That's really helpful. Yeah, I think a lot of us are confused in um, that way. For sure. I, so, okay, go ahead, Lisa. Is this your last thought, no, final no, thought? No. Okay. Aunt, speak to that, and then a final thought. Amy, you can jump back up um, here. One of the things that has been helpful for me is I have cut out, I don't watch any news at all. I only go to, there are some sites that will show you transcripts of different speeches, of the briefings, of all of that, in, in full. And so I, I only read, and I only make my own conclusions from that. I might have to research something. I might have to do some research on it, but I only read. I don't listen to news. And I cannot tell you the amount of things that has changed for me on that. So that's more. So email Lisa at, at yeah. aldersgateabilene.org oh, and she'll send you yeah. those. And I'll, I'll send all you your some questions. of the links that I use because it, it, it's so helpful. And then the second thing, my last This is your last thought, word. Final, final thoughts from Lisa is that your final, right now. Is that your final answer? <laughs> this is like pressure. Um, 
<laughs> I think that we need to use our faith to, to um, help with our politics, our political views. Um, there's a trend out there that makes our politics be our faith sometimes, and we need to guard against that. I feel like our faith is separate from any political persuasion that we have, and I feel like we're shifting a little bit. There's a trend there that is a little disconcerting. Thanks, Lisa. Y'all give it up for Lisa. Yeah. Okay, I would, I would like my final thoughts to, to address two things. One, the social media, um, we, we, can, we can stop using it. That's an option, right? Or we can choose to use it in countercultural ways and not rise to the hatred. Right? And, and I think that that is a valid option as well because social media is not going anywhere. You know, uh, so that's, that's an option we have to engage in a countercultural way with love and with grace. Uh, and then the other thing is to Spud's question, and for those of you who don't know, I am actually a reserve delegate for the Call General Conference in 2019. I will be going to St. Louis. I'll be on the floor. I'll be reading all of the stuff that comes from our Council of Bishops and the Commission on the Way Forward. And so if you have any questions, you can always contact me even before we have a forum. And Gary will enter into that conversation as well because all clergy are engaged in this right now and all lay leaders as well. So Amy Wilson-Feltz at aldersgateabilene.org. My phone number is always on page two along with Gary's and our Aldersgate in Action. If you have questions and you want to engage in a discussion, you don't have to wait for something organized. You can call me and I'll tell you what I know, which may not be much, but it may be more than what you're hearing out there. Let's give it up for Reverend Amy Wilson-Feltz, one of our fearless leaders. All right. Dr. Campos Davis, final words. Um, I think there's something really powerful that happens when we sit down at a table and break bread with people that we disagree with. Um, and so I'm a big believer in, you know, we may have these labels, but to actually sit down and share a meal or share a cup of coffee or have a conversation with somebody and get to know them one-on-one -on -one really helps us to be able to understand I think the people that we disagree with. So I would definitely say that, you know, any any chances you get to sit down with somebody different from you and have a meal or have a conversation is is always a good thing. And as a side note, one other quick thing. Oh, um, when it comes to media, I'm a big believer in the newspaper um, and in magazines and in kind of longer written things and well-written things by good journalists. So find those journalists that you like. I swear I'm not like trying to. <laughs> I want you to. I want you to Everybody like subscribe. Yeah. So <laughs> make sure make sure that you do everything you can to find those journalists who are really working hard because journalists work so hard. And we, I think, a lot of times just kind of you know you know we have all these social media things that we think are journalism, and it's not. So find good journalists. Dr. Christina Campos-Davis, let's give it up for Dr. Campos-Davis. Gary, final thoughts. Uh, uh, this, is, this has been fun. I've enjoyed it uh, as we begin to talk about our similarities and our differences. I like what Dr. Brinkman said. Uh, for me personally, uh, I'm in a place where self-awareness is probably at the front of my, of my process because it's when I discover more about myself, I discover the ways that I think and the ways that I talk and, and the ways I live that out. Uh, and so I've, I've been spending time trying to figure out who is this inside this brain? <laughs> because for so many years, I'm not sure I knew who this person was. And so discovering who I am is a self-awareness. It's good. So. Reverend Gary Bowles, everybody, let's thank yeah. him. Listen, thank you all for being a part of this conversation. Next week, we will have another uh, informative and meaningful time at 10.05. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to get out of here, unless we're staying for the 11 o'clock service. God, would you make us instruments of your peace? Where there is hatred, let us so love. Where there is injury, pardon. 
Oh, divine master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, for it is in dying that we find life in you. It's in the name of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children in this room said, amen. amen. Love y'all.